How many enjoyed Easter? I loved Easter morning, man. It was just so good to be in the house of God and just felt like the worship team was on point. It just felt like the whole thing was heavenly. Um, you know, but certainly if you're a pastor, I'm sure you can quickly relate to this. But, you know, after Easter, things get a little strange for pastors. You sit back and all the kind of excitement of Easter and you're thrilled and you're ecstatic. Everybody who has been to church for a while is here and they are happy and they are ready to celebrate. But then that day ends. And I honestly, I went home excited, but after a few hours, found myself saying, Lord, what's next? Like, where do we go now? You know, and I did my best to preach a word that Easter is more than just an event. It's about a person. And therefore, because it is about Jesus, we should be celebrating Jesus every Sunday. Come on, somebody. Come on now. There's nothing different about this Sunday than there was last Sunday. We're still celebrating the same uh, Christ. We're, cel- we're still celebrating his resurrection. Uh, but yet, I did find myself just a bit uh, kind of like, okay, Lord, you know, what do we do now? Um, Easter Sunday is exhilarating and exciting, really. It's full of energy. The crowds bring that, that sense of real, like, you know, excitement about the resurrection. It's beautiful. Um, it's almost like uh, if I could, if anybody's ever had a sugar rush, you know, you know, it's like, it's like this, this kind of brief, like, excitement in this, like, oh, my goodness, I got tons of energy, tons of excitement, and then it quickly just tapers off and, and goes away, and you're left with just feeling, okay, a little bit exhausted, a little de- depleted, um, and you ask yourself, okay, Lord, what's next? Well, I think the commands of Jesus prior to his ascension help us out to kind of figure out what's next. The same things that transpired in that day, um, other than the ascension, (laughs) meaning the things of which Jesus gave his disciples to do, he is still giving his disciples, his church, those things to do as well. If you think about the gospel of Mark and Matthew, um, specifically Mark 16, 15 and Matthew 16, 15 through 18. And then, of course, we have Acts chapter 1, Acts chapter 1, 4 through 5, um, we see that the Lord kind of commissioned his church to go into the world, right? Anybody tracking with me, right? To go into the world and make disciples. And then, of course, in Acts, we had this whole uh, uh, segment where Jesus told his disciples to go to Jerusalem and wait for the infilling of the Holy Spirit. So I see two things, go into the world, or I, we should back up a little bit, Um, Go and wait for the infilling of the Holy Spirit and go into the world and make disciples. If you would, turn with me to Acts chapter 1, verse 8. This is the way Luke describes Jesus' last words before the ascension. He says this, but you will receive power. Come on, somebody who doesn't need a little bit of that in their life. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has what? Come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So the way I look at it, Jesus is looking for his disciples to receive the power of the spirit, to be witnesses of Christ to the ends of the earth. And today in 2021, in the midst of a pandemic, that has not changed. I'm sorry to yell. I just got a little excited there. Uh, It will happen a lot through this sermon. Uh, So bear with me. 
But pandemics hasn't changed the commission that Jesus has given us. These masks don't change the distancing that we're doing, does not change the fact that Christ left with specific words for the church to be filled with the Spirit and to be witnesses of Christ to the ends of the earth. Come on, somebody. So when we ask what's next, well, we've just answered the question, what's next? Because, again, Jesus is talking to those disciples present with him, and he is talking to us today, his disciples, giving us the same charge, commissioning us with the same task. Amen, somebody? So the way I see it, he is raising up and sending out spirit-filled witnesses. This is what's on Jesus' agenda This is what's on his plan. And even now, we stand in the midst of that plan. We stand right in the bullseye of that plan. So when you think of what comes after Easter, well, this is what is next. Let's continue reading in Acts chapter 1, 9 through 11. We read this. And when he said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up in a cloud. I'm sorry I'm laughing. I just picture myself there. And it's just like, get, you get this, you know, command from Jesus, and then suddenly he just starts to lift on a cloud. I'm just thinking, what would be my reaction? But he's lifted up on a cloud, and while they were gazing to heaven, as he went, behold, two men stood. Now, this is significant. Have you ever thought about this? I, I have thought extensively about this well before this Sunday, that right here, as the disciples are gazing in the heavens, which might I add, I would totally be doing, But Luke sees it important to add that there was angels who come to the disciples at this moment and say, sons of Galilee, why are you looking into the heavens? (laughs) You know, am I the only one who's weird to think about why Luke puts this in there? Like, sure, it is significant that angels are right now with the disciples asking him these questions. But beyond that, and and certainly it's a little bit strange and weird that Jesus is lifting up and and, and ascending into heaven. But surely it it just seems like this is just like um, uh, almost like, I don't know, just like, Like, why are you adding this, Luke? And of course, we know that everything in the scriptures are important. Nothing should be overlooked. You know, whatever seems uh, seemingly insignificant is very significant. But here, as we read in Acts chapter 1, 9 through 11, we find that some angels appeared to these men and they said, Men of Galilee, why are you standing, stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him ascend into heaven. Now again, we did just read that right. We read verses 10 and 11 right. This is what the angels of the Lord say to the disciples. But it it, it has, you have to think of the why. Like, why is this in there? And and I think it's because uh, the angels were saying to these disciples, okay guys, get up and get going. You know, okay, everything that you've seen up to this point, you're right, has been astounding, right? But but we don't want to camp out here. Uh, uh, And I imagine at this point, the disciples were kind of looking, kind of like trying to still see if they could see Jesus. That's the way I picture it. It's almost like, 
is that, is that him? No, that's, that's a small, no. Is that, you know, I, I, that's what I, I, I pictured this moment to be like. It's almost like there was this prolonged moment. But for whatever the reason is, the angel of the Lord comes and breaks up the stupor of staring into the sky and again says, get on to Jerusalem, men of Galilee. And of course, we know why they're to get on because the mission of God must go forth. I, uh, anybody else get as aggravated as I do with traffic jams? It's, you know, and, and you know, let's just be honest, not all traffic jams are necessary. You, it, it, listen, I'll give you an example. Let's talk about the ones that are the cause of a routine traffic stop, okay? Now, a cop has somebody pulled over maybe for going too fast or an out taillight, and it seems like everybody just has to, like, just slow down enough to kind of, you know, see what's going on. And, 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 and it's just a routine traffic stop, but yet there's, like, a three- to four-mile backup. You know what's so interesting to me is sometimes this can even affect the other side. So if you're going north, south could be coming at you, and they're, they're gazing and saying, what's going on over there? And, and mind you, there are some, you know, things that happen with our traffic, you know, with accidents and everything that, you know, you, you get your attention. But when it just comes down to the silliness, and you're thinking, man, I just waited an hour and a half in traffic because you all wanted to watch a cop give somebody a ticket? Come on! I get, I get crazy, as you can imagine, at the unnecessary staring that goes on that causes those back ups. And it drives me crazy. And I can't help but think, and this is conjecture, this is not what the scripture says, but I can't help but think this is kind of what is motivating the angels at this moment. <laughs> you know? I mean, why else is it in there? <laughs> Just to be in there? No, I think that the angels are coming to the disciples. Because it is probably at this point very tempting to just build a monument right there where Jesus ascended into heaven. You think about everything they went through. Uh, everything with, with the arrest of Jesus, the beating of Christ, the trial of Christ, the death of Christ, the resurrection, and now the ascension after like 40 days of being with them. I would have popped a tent and just waited. I'd just be like, I'll be here until he returns. Okay, and we know the disciples were kind of nostalgic like this, right? I mean, what did Peter want to do the day that they were up on Mount, uh, the mountain and uh, Moses and Elijah came? He wanted to build like homes for everybody and just like camp out there, right? And so we know that this tendency of the disciples, uh, it seems to be, and I imagine that this is one of those moments where possibly if the angel of the Lord doesn't come to kind of stir them and say, okay, guys, you saw it. We've been through it, but you have a mission. Get on with it. This is what I believe the angels are doing. And I think similar to what is happening here in Acts is happening in the spirit, so to speak, with us. There is this kind of, you know, you've got to be low of heart. You have to have a bit of a sensitive spirit to hear it. But I feel like in the spirit, angels, all of heaven is championing the church and saying, get on with the mission of Christ. All right, I got four or five of you. That's good. Okay, a couple over here. Good, good, good. All right, cool. 
Will you get, you, get an, you got a kid in your hand, I get, you, you know, what would you do, like slap his head, like, guy man, no, you don't want to do that, you'd be a bad dad. That was a joke, it's okay to laugh. But you get what I'm saying, I almost feel like all of heaven is championing the church on, saying, what will you do with the mission my son has given you? And there is some tendency, especially within the charismatic church, to just sit back, so to speak, like the disciples and say, oh, God's got it. We'll wait till his kingdom breaks in. Can I just say his kingdom has already broken in? It is finished. And we are left with the task. And it's time, high time, that we get on with the mission that God has sent us. But not apart from being filled with the Holy Spirit. A lot of Christians getting on with Jesus' mission, right? They're getting on with it, and they're doing the best they can do with what they got, but they are neglecting something that should not be neglected, and that is the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Doing it, See, God has given us a tool, a resource to do this with. We don't just need to go out there and our own strength. This is what I love about the scripture, especially in Zechariah 4, 6, where the angel of the Lord speaks to the prophet Zechariah and says, Zechariah, it is not by might, it is not by power, but by the spirit of the Lord. And similar to that day in the book of Zechariah, I hear the Holy Spirit saying, I am here. I am here to equip you, fill you, and endue you with power from on high to spread the most important message that has ever been brought to humanity. Ever. Like I said, there will be a lot more yelling as we go with this. I I apologize if that strikes you as weird. Um, But this is something we do in our family just when we're talking and watching football games. And so it seems natural to get as excited about Jesus. And, And here's the deal, guys. We see the example of this kind of life in the New Testament. If you think about the book of Acts alone, there was this constant rhythm. It just didn't happen in Acts chapter 2. I can name at least five or six places off the top of my head where men and women waited for the infilling of the Spirit and then moved with power to their community and to their neighbors. And, And many were saved as a result. Many were healed as a result. You have Acts chapter 2, of course, where Peter and the disciples first get filled with the Holy Spirit. And then later in that chapter, Peter preaches with power. And and three to 5,000 people are added to the church in a day. Sounds effortless. But see, this is the power that is accessible to us. If God did it then, he will do it now. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. But this is Acts chapter 2, and then of course you have Acts chapter 4. You could read it, you have Acts chapter 6, you have Acts chapter 9, Acts chapter 11, you have Acts chapter 13. And so many other part, parts are places in the New Testament where we see the sequence where God's spirit falls upon God's people and God's people start to minister in power. Come on, who doesn't want that? You know, we're not talking about showboating the power of God. We're talking about utilizing a a, a necessary tool that God has given us called the Holy Spirit. No, I am not calling the Holy Spirit a tool. Hear me. But he is a necessary piece of equipment that God has given us for the mission Christ has given us. Let me say that again. The Holy Spirit is a necessary tool 
that God has given us for the, for the commission that Jesus has given us. And so we see this sequence. We're not left like out in the bleak. How does this stuff work? We see that the early church was birthed in this manner. And so Jesus gives us be filled with the Spirit. Go and make disciples of all people, of all nations. This is our task. This is what we've been given by our Lord and Savior, Jesus. Right? I'm not, I don't know about you, but I'm not playing games. When he gives commands, I'm like, Jesus, what can I, like, sign me up. Get me in there. What do I need to do? Who do I need to share it with? Like, this is Jesus we're talking about. So we don't have to live aimless after Easter Sunday. We don't have to think, well, that was really good. So good to see uh, the people of God excited and celebrating Jesus. It was so good to see Sally. I don't know who Sally is. I'm just making it up. We haven't seen her for seven years, but she decided to come to church today. It was so good to see Bob. He hasn't been for six months, but he was there. He's, you know, these things are good. But we don't have to live aimless after things change. I mean, we went from a, a, a plus-filled service last Sunday to just a small number of people gathering today. We don't have to be aimless in kind of delusion about that. We can get on with the task that Jesus has given us. And we don't have to just get it on in our own strength, you know? This is nothing that you have to strive and like, oh, what do I need to do? And like, you know, uh, you see me sweating here. It's because I have a sweating problem. But you don't have to sweat it because Jesus has given you a power. And his name is the Holy Spirit. And he wants to fill you for the task that Jesus has given you. Now, in closing, Paul prescribed to this brand of Christianity. That's just in case you guys think I'm like making something up and I'm trying to do just the good old, you know, charismatic lingo here. Let's turn to Romans chapter uh, 15, 18 through 19. And I'm going to be sensitive to the little ones. Um, you know, it's my hope to be done in the next couple of minutes because I know they get restless. Uh, my son was at one point that age, and I know what it's like to kind of retain his um, attention, and it can get hard. So I am bringing it to a close. But here the apostle said, and we'll see if we can bring some clarity to this, but here Paul said uh, that he fulfilled the ministry of the gospel via the power of signs and wonders. Now, before you, get, before you tune me out, Let's read the text, and let's see if we can hear that. Let's see if we can get that within these two verses. This is Paul to the church of Rome. For I will not venture to speak of anything, okay, except what Christ has accomplished through me, to bring the Gentiles to obedience by word and by deed, by the power it's, you know, it's continued thought, all right, by the power. So he, he's brought the Gentiles to the obedience of faith, to the obedience of Christ. And, and, he's, and he now, in verse 19, is going to say by what he brought those Gentiles to the obedience of Christ with or in. And this is what he says, by the power of signs and wonders. And then he goes on, by the power of the Spirit of God. Paul was a brilliant mind, 
He, he, he was very intellectual, very uh, put together, much more than I am with my words, but yet he did not lean on that only as a means to bring the gospel to people, and especially here with the Gentiles. And with his own uh, kind of proclamation, his own uh, uh, omitting here in this verse, he says he did it by the power of the Holy Spirit through or by the power of signs and wonders. So through Christ, Paul brought many Gentiles to the saving faith by, by the power, excuse me, of signs and wonders through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's a lot of powers, right? But why, why do I put this text out there? Just for some feel in uh, today's cultural climate that the power of God has altogether ceased. You know, it's not available. Friends, it is as available, if not more, to us uh, than it was or as it was to the disciples in their day. And my question to you is like, let's, let's not be clueless of that. Let's be expectant for that. We don't just have to go out there holding signs up that say, turn and burn, <laughs> you know? God bless the fellas and the ministry teams that do. Because there is an, I know, they get ragged on, but there's an element of truth to that. Oh, I'm going there. We all better turn to Jesus now, or, or we will burn later. The one thing the West has majored in, meaning the church. We get the love of God, but we do not know his severity. We get and we understand the love of God, but we do not understand that one knee, I'm sorry, one time, every knee will bow. Every person will be brought, not before the loving seat, but the judgment seat. That's all I'll say about that. But even Paul, brought many to the salvation knowledge of Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit through or by signs and wonders. Could you imagine that? Of course, it totally makes sense. And here it is, guys. Hear me. I am not on a signs and wonders power trip. <laughs> That's not what this is, right? But man, I would like to see just the water table rise a bit. And we have a little bit more expectation to see God break in with power and, and to kind of have faith that he's not just, you know, uh, leaving us to our five truths that we know about Christ. You know, all, all those things are good. You need them, and, and we need them in times of arguing Christ to others. But man, if we have, could just come to realizing that God has placed within us his Holy Spirit, whoo, Come on, the game changes. The game changes and the work becomes easier. So what is Christ doing? He is filling his people with his spirit and he is commissioning them to go out into the world and make disciples. Man, I want to be part of that. I want to be a believer who is first filled with the spirit of God and one who is actively bringing my faith out into the public square, whatever that looks like. If it's my neighbor, if it's 
a gentleman at the coffee store, if it's a coworker, if it's somebody, a friend at school, man, if we could just start to think more missional and start to get unplugged, that we just have to rely upon our strength and what we know. Friends, God has given us so much more than that. It is not by your might. It is not by your power. It's not by your just simply the five points that you know and can argue with an unbeliever about Jesus. God has given you his spirit, the third person of the Trinity, so that you can move in power. You can bring the kingdom of God into the lives of people who have not yet experienced the kingdom of God in that way. You know, I, my, my, my whole desire here is that we would be a church that majors in these kind of things, meaning these things would be important to us. They, they would be something that we cherish and, 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 and move in and, 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 and kind of operate, you know, in. And, you know, and, and maybe in some respects we are. I don't know, but I think God wants a lot more than uh, what we've been seeing. And, and here it is. Right here, we are the hope of this world. We are the light bearers, so to speak, that Christ has left to do his work. Because God cares so much. Guys, I know it's a kind of cliche verse, but I think about that text in John where God so loved the world that he gave his only son. What a gift and what a foolish thing to not continue to preach that gift and to talk about that love and to manifest the same power that the disciples and even Christ manifested in their lives and their ministry. What a sad, what a tragedy that would be. Or, or what a tragedy it would be to, to take and, and hide that gift under a box and, and, and kind of prevent the light of that truth to be hidden rather than seen invisible. Friends, we are, are on and, and following and, and have one of the greatest stories of redemption, the greatest story of redemption and salvation ever brought to humankind. It is time, it is time in little ways and in big ways, in neighborhoods and in college dorm rooms, in, in workplaces, it is time to stop staring into the sky and waiting on Christ for something he has already brought us. It is time to be filled with the spirit and get on with the mission. And that's my intention the rest of 2021, and I pray it will be ours as a church. Let us pray. Father, I thank you for the truth. Lord, I've, I've done my best to articulate. I've done my best to share what you have given me. And now, Father, we, we put our trust in you to bring to completion to, to clear up any confusion, God. We, we trust you to do that by the work of your spirit. And so help us, God, by your grace 
to, to get our noses in these texts and, and to look for ourselves, Lord, to see if there be any uh, um, falsities, Lord, in this message or any truths that weren't discovered and talked about. Father, lead us, God, into all matters of the truth. And as you lead us, God, would you provoke us, Lord? Would you provoke us to works of righteousness, Lord? Jesus, we ask, Father, that we wouldn't just leave this place feeling all right about the sermon and, and that it was, oh, decent and he had his points together. Uh, Father, I pray, Lord, that we wouldn't just hear something today, but that we would take action with what we've heard, God. And so, Jesus, come and provoke us today. Come and clear anything that needs to be cleared. And Lord, pull upon our hearts to be active, actively sharing our faith, actively um, uh, looking to be filled with the Holy Spirit, active, God. I pray, Lord, that if there will be anyone here, Lord, that is stuck, Father, I pray now that you would stuck them and, and bring them, call them to action in Jesus' name. Father, our desire is to glorify your Son and to bring the gospel to the city, bring the gospel to the nations of the world that everyone might hear and have an opportunity to put their faith in your Son. So, Lord, we want to do our part as a church. We don't want to be staring off into the sky, waiting for Jesus to do something he has already done, waiting for something that's not going to come. Lord, we've been commissioned. We've been told to go. And Lord, we hear those words clearly again today. And we say, yes, Lord, we will go. We will go. We will speak. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.